Hey, visionaries, it's Pillar Talk time. Time to give you a little vim and vigor for your inner visionary by sharing the benefits of the calm pillars and backing up my pillarology with a little research. If you're a first time listener, I want to welcome you and suggest that you check out the bonus episode called A Little Pillar Talk to get an overview of the pillars. But if you're leaned in and you're ready for episode seven, let's do this thing. Happy August, visionaries. Thank you for bringing your beautiful ears right here for episode seven of Calm Conversations About Learning, where we lean in to re-envision education with and for the folks who matter most, parents, teachers, and of course, our young folks. I'm your host, Zanani, parent, BB, restorative practices trainer, and educator for life. And I know that many of you visionary teachers and homeschooling parents are preparing to get your heads back into the education game. And calm pillar number two just happens to be all about the agenda, which you will definitely need. And not just for your child or students, but for yourself. Yep, your agenda, your motive, your reason why, as in why am I really teaching this and why does my child or why do my students really need to learn this helps to bring calm and clarity to your life into the lives of the babies. So an agenda isn't a mere plan that you just throw together. It's so much more. And I am going to break it down. Okay, so last month's Pillar Talk was all about the check-in, a.k.a relationship pillar and foundation for calm. And we'll always, always return to the relationship pillar. So rest easy. But check this out. The check-in is designed to create safe and brave spaces. And to me, this means that in addition to a child knowing that the adult in the classroom or home will do all they can to keep him from harm, the adult will also model and encourage audacity and autonomy. That's right. Audacity and autonomy. So that the child can soar academically and personally. Creating these safe and brave spaces also involves the use of systems and structures. Now, I'm not just talking about rules and regulations, y'all, which we'll address when we get to the management pillar talk episode. I'm speaking more to the rituals, the party starter routines that contribute to smooth sailing, teaching, and learning experiences, you know, this... (laughs) This is deep stuff, y'all. Throughout my life, I've been accused of being inflexible because of my need for systems and structures. But the truth is that I'm the product of a marriage made of alcoholism and mental illness. Incorporating systems and structures as an adult, parent, and educator has helped me to default less to habits that come with a dysfunctional upbringing, such as um, unfinished projects and aimlessness. So systems and structures make me feel safe and secure. And if safe and secure is just an illusion, then that illusion has empowered me and made me persevere when I felt powerless and hopeless. Tools like list, 
calendars, schedules, and even weekly menus gave me a compass. And even now, when I don't adhere to those organizational tools, I find myself whelmed and lacking in clarity and direction. And nobody wants that. I discovered that this was true for my sons and for many of my students, particularly those students whose households were similar to the one that I'd grown up in. As a parent, I would incorporate these systems and structures in the form of weekly chore schedules or after-school routines, discipline policies, and step-by-step instructions entitled, What is a Clean Kitchen? Hey, don't judge me. My sons know how to clean their homes as a result, and they've surpassed me in cooking skills. Or, I don't know, so they say. I'm not sure. But there was a part of me that craved a boring home life. Over time, it became clear to me that when it comes to implementing systems and structures, though, you got to be consistent. And as fast and as far as I tried to run from the mixed signals of my childhood, I often ran smack dab into the ghost of my parents parenting like a glass door that I kept forgetting was there. Lots and lots of bloody noses. And so it was consistency that I would return to again and again and again as a parent. It was like this remedial class that I struggled through year after year. When my teaching career began, I would return to the challenge of consistency with my students. But something was a little different. Maybe it was all those bloody noses. But I realized early on that posting something as simple as a daily agenda by the time my students arrived to class, answering the question, what are we doing today, offered them the comfort of predictability as well as the power of knowing what to expect during our time together. This, in turn, allowed them to relax and allow for trust. Trust in me, the process of learning, and in the environment. And that allowed them to take more risk in their work, ask more questions, and collaborate more productively. Routines and rituals are a critical part of culturally responsive teaching, which, according to Zaretta Hammond, author of Culturally Responsive Teaching and the Brain, is a tool to help dependent learners develop the cognitive skills for higher order thinking. She says that when routines and procedures are carefully taught, modeled, and established in the classroom, children know what's expected of them and how to do certain things on their own. Having these predictable patterns in place allow teachers to spend more time in meaningful instruction and aids social cooperation in the classroom. Whatever the focus of your classroom, think about the climate you'd like to create. Now, parent visionaries, don't fast forward when you hear words like teachers and classrooms. On this podcast, what's good for the teacher visionary is good for the parent visionary and vice versa. And that means that you could be the goose or the gander at any time throughout these episodes. Part of my vision for children is to know what's expected of them and for them to have the internal freedom to know how to do certain things on their own in both academic settings and at home. Hammond also suggests co-creating these routines with children, which I'm a big fan of. She distinguishes between routines and rituals and says that rituals are opportunities to ignite students' spirits and emotions. So over the years, I began incorporating a mindful practice at the beginning of class. 
students knew to expect that this was the first item on our agenda unless we had a check-in circle. I would dim the lights and we would sit in silence. Three minutes for my freshmen and five minutes for my juniors. Some of them would write or doodle. Others would lie on the floor. I would sometimes do a mindful pacing in the corner of the room. This was the only time when students were allowed to put their heads down on their desk. But the point of the ritual was not to control them. It was to help them transition to and refocus for our class time. And it was to introduce them to the notion of being in charge of themselves, like in this intentional way. This is a foreign concept to many children, especially children of color and children from impoverished families. Hammond points out that rituals and routines capitalize on our brain's ability to put desirable behaviors on autopilot, allowing us to reach our goals even when we are distracted or preoccupied with other things. I believe that routines, rituals, systems, and structures are especially important to children who live in homes where there's mental illness, financial stress, addiction, or just full of drama, because adult problems, they're seldom contained, and telling a child to focus in class when she doesn't know what's happening in her life, when she can't trust the events of any part of her day, is useless and insensitive on our parts as adults. We have to model and offer children tools wrapped in wisdom. Safe and brave spaces, they're not going to build themselves. So having an agenda became part of my agenda, an outline of engagement, not for the principal passerby, but for my students. The agenda was designed to empower my students and help them to get their heads in the game and to preview what the game would entail. The agenda was more than a plan. It was a promise that by the end of the class period, they would read or interpret or write or create or discuss or practice or revise, collaborate. They would expand their skills and knowledge in some way. It also taught them that everybody's time was to be respected. But what does all this talk about agendas, routines, rituals, and whatnot have to do with, you guessed it, relationships? Hammond says, that in culturally responsive teaching, relationships are as important as the curriculum. This is the stone truth, and we'll address that point when we get to the lesson pillar. She also says that this is what makes the relationship a crucial part of the agenda, that at the core of positive relationships is trust, and that neuroscience tells us the brain feels safest and relaxed when we are connected to others we trust to treat us well. And I know that you know that this is true. Think about a romantic relationship that you've been in and how it felt to trust that that person was going to be good to you, that they had the best intentions and your best interest at heart. Mm, Doesn't that make your brain feel all warm and fuzzy just thinking about it? So why wouldn't we want to give our children the gift of knowing that they can trust us to treat them well? Why wouldn't we want them to know that our intentions for their personal and academic well-being are pure and that we're going to meet those intentions with the impact of creating safe and brave spaces for them to thrive? We do want safe and brave spaces for our children. We want them to have 
audacity and autonomy. And so that's why we're building this village, my visionaries. So the agenda is what's up this month. In episode nine, I'll have some tips for co-planning agendas with children. Episode eight will be a calm kid combo with Tammy Williams, who speaks candidly about finding her audacity and autonomy despite growing up in unstable conditions. Check out the connection and why our teaching and learning spaces must have agendas, must have rituals and routines. For now, though, here's a little visionary homework for you. Create a bulleted agenda that outlines your ideal peaceful and productive month, whether it's 30 days of parenting, 30 days of teaching, or 30 days of you. What would your agenda start with? What kinds of routines and rituals would you implement? Because if we can begin to envision a plan for ourselves, our vision for our children becomes clearer, more generous. So take a few minutes to dream with me. Before I sign off, I'm going to get a little mushy and remind you that I appreciate you. It means a lot to know that you're downloading episodes of this podcast but I'd also like to know that you're getting value from them. So let us just know by doing that podcast listener thing. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review. In the meantime, and in all the between time, stay well, stay wonderful, and stay calm. <laughs>